The following message is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe can be found at axechurchleander.com. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Um, our world is struggling with understanding and finding truth right now, right? There are so many different voices that are screaming at us, this is true or that is true. And these aren't just, you know, uh, psychological questions. These aren't just philosophical questions, whether it's what's true with COVID or what's true with what's going on with race in this country or what's true with, you know, is the sky blue right now? Our world is struggling both with truth and then also with grace, how we treat one another. Uh, you see it in comment sections. You see it on the news. You see it around cul-de-sacs. This us versus them mentality where we are constantly at war with one another. Uh, as a way to kind of represent that, I was hoping to get the video for this, but we couldn't find a way to YouTube it while live streaming. So I'm going to read this off, but this is from the Adley Show. and It's a little bit of a spoof on what's been going on with COVID, but I think it represents our situation well. This is what she says. Now, I don't really understand why everyone isn't following the same rules with COVID. They're very clear, but just to make sure, we'll go over them right now. First, you must not leave the house for any reason, unless, of course, you have a reason, and then you can leave your house. All stores are closed, except for those that are open, and all stores must close, unless, of course, they need to stay open. The virus is deadly, so don't be afraid of it. But it will only kill people who are vulnerable, and also those who are not vulnerable. The virus has no effect on children, checks notes, uh, except those of which it affects. Uh, the virus remains active on different surfaces for up to eight, two hours, or four hours, or six hours, but in most cases days and not hours, and it needs a damp environment to thrive or a cold environment that is warm and dry. Stay home. I don't need to know, I don't, we don't need any more celebrities telling us how important it is to go outside and take care of our mental health. You must not go to work, but you may get another job, in which case then you can go to work. Schools are closed. You can homeschool your children unless you send them to school because you are not at home. Baking cakes can be considered math, science, and art. If you are home educating, you can start drinking at approximately 10 a.m. every day. Also, if you are not at home educating children, you may also start drinking at 10 a.m. every day. Right? I mean, it's facetious, but it does represent pretty well all the different voices that are screaming at us. And this is just one part of what is happening 
in 2020, right? One part of what our world is talking about. And sometimes it feels like we're not even talking about the same subject. Sometimes it feels like instead of understanding and seeking one truth, we're all just bringing in our own truths. We're not full of grace and truth right now. And yet when you see scripture, when you see Jesus, the reading that AJ just read, what you find is a God who creates the world. He creates it to be good. He knows this world, and yet when he shows up, the world doesn't know him. The world doesn't recognize him. That darkness of thinking. I can't think of a better way of describing our world right now. We're all in the dark. We're all struggling to find grace and truth. And yet the promise comes from John 1, where it says, The word became flesh. The word became incarnate. He moved into the neighborhood. He made his dwelling among us. And we have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I was able to go uh, take a little uh, vacation a couple weeks ago. We were up in Colorado and I was praying. And I was just talking to God about everything that's happening and what we needed to see change. And what I was convicted of more than anything else was that for me personally and for our church, we just need more Jesus. We need to be closer to him. We need to be learning from him. We need to be honest with him about where we are and what we're struggling with. Yes, the world needs more Jesus, but before the world can get more Jesus, Christians, the church, needs more grace and truth. And so for the next eight weeks, we're going to just be hanging out with Jesus, learning from him. And that's why we've set up that texting uh, service. Again, text Hey Jesus to 94000. Eight weeks, you're going to get a Bible verse straight from him. Not my best thinking, not my best grace, not our staff's best thinking, but saying, no, we want to encounter God every day, 7.30 in the morning, and help him frame how we're looking at the world, how we're seeing the world, how we can be full of grace and truth. But this is a hard subject. And at first it seems like it's going to be easy, but then once we have to start getting into the nitty-gritty of what God is doing, how God is calling us out of ourselves, that's where we get a little bit uncomfortable. I was talking with a pastor friend of mine a couple weeks ago, and he called up in frustration, and he goes, can I, can I just vent for a moment? I said, yeah. And he goes, I was talking to not a member of my church, but a Christian that I am in relationship with, and their response to talking about some of the hard things that are happening in the world, some of the hard decisions all of us are having to make, this woman responded by saying, you know what, Pastor, the world is really hard. Right now, it's so negative. And when I come to church, all I want to hear is that God loves me. And I think all of us can feel that way sometimes, right? The world is so loud. The storm is so loud. We just want a space where we can go in and feel that hug of God. And that is good. And that is real. And you have a father who loves you and forgives you and walks with you. And yet, the church's message, scripture's message, is not simply a feel-good moment. It's not a hallmark card that makes you get the warm and fuzzies and then you put it on the mantle and you go back to the life that you were living before. Now, the grace of God comes through following Jesus. Not that we work our way, not that we follow first and then the grace comes, but instead, 
The grace is the relationship with God. I love the way how Bonhoeffer talks about it. He has these two different words for grace. He says there is cheap grace and there is costly grace. And the first time I read that, it really stood out to me. I'm like, no, 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 no. Grace cannot cost anything. Grace is God's free gift, his divine favor to his people. And yet, as I read more about what he was talking about, I got convicted because I realized, oh, oh, oh I'm, I'm falling short here. This is how Bonhoeffer talks about cheap grace. He says, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. It's baptism of the church without discipline. It's communion without confession. It's absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate in our life. I, I, I fall into the category of cheap grace sometimes. Where I just want the forgiveness of sins, but I want to be honest with God that A, I'm still a sinner, I'm still wrestling with stuff. And B, not just to ask forgiveness, but to repent from that. To not just say, well, this is who I am, this is where the world is at. So yeah, I need forgiveness, God, but I don't want to change. That's not scripture. That's not Jesus. That's cheap grace. Or as Jesus says, when he starts his earthly ministry, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He doesn't say, ask forgiveness for sins. To repent means to change. It means to realize, yeah, there is something wrong in me. God, I need to turn from that. I need you to turn me from that. That I may have the promise of the kingdom of heaven. God's reign active and moving in our life. You see, cheap grace comes before God and says, you owe me this. You have to forgive me of my sins. God doesn't have to do anything. But he's a good father. And so Bonhoeffer contrasts cheap grace with costly grace. And he ties costly grace to discipleship, to learning from Jesus, to allowing him to shape us and mold us and to prune the parts of us that aren't of God so new, good, godly, beautiful fruit can grow. Bonhoeffer describes costly grace like this. He says, costly grace is the gospel much, which must be sought again and again. The gift with, which was, must be asked for. The door at which a man must knock. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow and it's grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It's costly because it cost a man his life and it's grace because it gives a man the only true life. It's costly because it condemns sin and it's grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it's costly because it cost God the life of his son. You were bought at a price. And what costs God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son to dear a price to pay for our life, but delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation, the dwelling of God. He compares and he contrasts cheap grace with us demanding forgiveness of sins from God without actually turning, without actually changing. To say, no, it's costly because it costs God the life of his son. And if it costs that much for God, we cannot treat it cheaply. And yet it's grace 
because A, God was willing to pay that price. But then B, he says, you're going to come follow me now. And I'm going to teach you a different way. You don't have to go back to the brokenness of the world. You see this really uh, clearly in the story of Levi. Jesus was walking, and there's a tax collector. And tax collectors were the worst of the worst. They were thugs for the government. They cheated. They manipulated. They were hated. Jesus sees a tax collector in Luke chapter 5. And after Jesus went by and saw the tax collector by the name of Levi, sitting at his tax booth, doing this sinful thing, doing this broken thing. What does Jesus say? He says, follow me. Jesus says to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. You see, it's grace because Jesus says, even though this is your position, even though you have done these things, I still want a relationship with you. And it's costly because it cost Levi everything. We need more of that type of grace in the church. This divine favor that allows us to ask forgiveness of sins, but to confess that, yeah, we're still broken. Yeah, we're still wrestling with this world. But God's divine favor still comes to us. It wraps its arms around us in a hug, and then it shows us a different way. And we pay that forward into every relationship we have. Whether it's with our family members, whether it's with other students, whether it's online. We say, no, I'm following Jesus in this moment. We need that type of grace and divine favor if we're going to move forward as a church in 2020. But Jesus doesn't just say, I'm full of grace. No, scripture says he's full of truth as well. And right now, again, truth is hard to find. It's hard to distinguish. And part of the reason why truth is so difficult right now is because we have this battle between tribalistic darkness and divine light. You see, sin separates us. That's all sin knows how to do. It either cuts us off from God, it cuts us off from a neighbor or an individual, or it cuts us off for our world, and it puts us into smaller and smaller tribes. I don't care what your tribe is. Every tribe is broken. All humanity is broken. No tribe... No one mindset has the monopoly on truth. And yet, what we're doing right now, what we've allowed ourselves to do, is because there are so many voices out there, there are so many different things that we're wrestling with, we get into our tribe and we say, okay, this is now where I'm going to learn everything I need to know about anything. And then we go to war. Because our tribe says this or that. And we're going to war over everything right now. We're going to war over whether or not COVID exists. We're going to war whether, whether or not racism exists. We're going to war over everything. And every tribe has some truth in it. And every tribe has some brokenness in it. But when we stay in that tribe, when we're like, no, this is it, we get further and further and further away from everyone else. This is a definition of tribalism. The habit of identifying oneself with a single nation or other tribe, placing it beyond good or evil, 
and recognizing no other duty than advancing its interests. The abiding purpose of every tribe is to secure more and more prestige and power, not just for themselves, but for the nation or other unit or tribe in which one has chosen to seek one's individual identity into. Church, right now, all of us are doing that. I am doing that. You are doing that. The world is screaming at us. Our own individual tribes are screaming at us. Believe me. Believe me at the expense of all others. That's a form of sin. That's a lie. But because it takes more work to have to distinguish what is true and what is false because it might make us more uncomfortable in our own tribe, whatever that tribe is. It may challenge wrong thinking. We fortify, and we defend ourselves, and we get more angry, more defensive, more combative. And the church is participating in this just as much as every other organization. This is not full of grace and truth. We need Christians to be more like Jesus. We need Christians to be disciples of Jesus, bathing in God's divine favor, paying that divine favor forward, and then seeking truth. And guys, Jesus promises to help us navigate it. The beauty is God doesn't say, now go out and figure it out all by yourself. He says, I'm going to give you my spirit, and my spirit will help you distinguish what is light and what is darkness. Jesus says this, In John chapter 3, it says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds would be exposed. But here's the good news. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so they may see plainly what they have done and what has been done in the sight of God. The promise of Scripture is that God will help you distinguish what is light and what is dark. He'll take you out of us versus them, and he'll put you on his team. He'll give you his insight into what is right and what is wrong. First, in your own life, when you're looking in the mirror, and that's hard. It's hard for me. I'm like, oh, that, that, that's not of God. Oh, in that moment, I wasn't a disciple of Jesus the way I was supposed to be. But then it expands and we can start to see what's actually happening in the world. What's happening in our communities. What's happening in our nation. What's happening all across every continent. And he says, I'm going to give you my divine guidance. My Holy Spirit will teach you. It will be your counselor, he says. I'll walk with you through this. But to get there as a church, to get there as individuals, first we repent, and then we follow. First we receive grace in all of its fullness, and then we're invited to seek truth. So we're going to go into a time of confession. We're going to go into a time uh, where each of us individually, but also corporately, can admit that, you know what, at times we have loved darkness. At times we have decided, you know what, 
I'd rather just stay in my tribe. I'd rather just hear their voices as opposed to doing the harder work to see what God is actually saying in this world. To do the harder work of following Jesus wherever he leads, no matter how broken the world is. And we're going to hear the beauty of forgiveness. And then we're going to just go into a time of prayer. Praying for our community. Praying for those on the front lines of so many different battles that are happening all across the United States, in our households, and in our own lives. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.